In this episode of Web3 with Sam Kamani, I'm interviewing Battis Samadian. Battis is the founder and CEO of Space. Space is a metaverse platform or a metaverse social platform that wants to enable e-commerce via metaverse. So in this episode, I want to find out from Battis, who is a serial entrepreneur, on how do you make money on metaverse? You know, what are the things that are working? What are the things that are not working? And why not just do things that work? Because I feel like metaverse, in fact, adds more friction. So how do you make it frictionless? How do you bring in more people? So if you are interested in how to make money on metaverse, then this is the episode for you. I also don't run ads on my podcast. So it would be a huge favor if you can leave me a review on Apple and please share this episode with a friend. Hello, innovators, explorers, and risk takers. Welcome to another episode of the Web3 with Sam Kamani podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani. I am an Amazon best-selling author, a tech startup founder, and a strategic advisor to multiple Web3 startups. I'm here to take you on a journey to explore the world of Web3, all the risks, all the opportunities. And my goal is to educate you about what other people, the founders, the investors, what are they building? What are they paying attention? So you can take advantage of it. So you can benefit from it. However, I would like to start with saying that this is not investment advice. I would still highly encourage you to do your own research. I have nothing to sell you. So with that out of the way, let's get into it. It's great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure talking with you. And I would love to find out everything about space and what you're building, especially in the metaverse side of things. Yeah, for some of our audience who doesn't don't know a lot about space, can you give them an intro? How would you describe it? Yeah, absolutely. Great to be here. Space is a commerce virtual world enabling the creators of tomorrow to build immersive commerce experiences. The best way to think about it, it's like a, yeah, it's a commerce virtual world, like a shopping world where you go and you experience all kinds of commerce activity experiences that people have built. Oh, fantastic. So when did you start it? How did you get started? How did you get this idea of doing this? Sure. So I'll tell you a bit about myself. I've been in crypto since about 2013, got involved with a couple of my friends at college. Then I started working for a wearables tech company. Then I worked for a venture builder in Los Angeles for a few years, got involved in a lot of like early stage VR startups, uh, then some esport. And then in 2020, I moved to London where I was the head of product and product lead for a project called Zap, which is 15 minute delivery of essentials. And then about, yeah, 12, 13 months ago, I, I came to a hypothesis that quite a few people shared with me that virtual worlds are going to become something really important and popular. And specifically that virtual land is going to be like a top level domain and that people are going to need to have this virtual land so that they can create their 3D experiences in the foreseeable spatial information highway, 3D internet or metaverse. And so I came to a realization that at least something that people will do if there will be a metaverse is that people will conduct uh, commerce activities. And one idea that me and the co-founders couldn't get out of our head is attending a virtual fashion show 
being able to click on the clothes, engaging with your friends socially during this fashion show, trying on the clothes in a virtual mirror, and then of course, being able to have them physically and digitally. And I did obsessed us a lot last summer and basically in a matter of days, Mia Rahimi, myself and Chance Glasgow kind of said, okay, well, we have nothing to lose. Let's give this a try. Yeah. And it was really cool because it had a very, very like magnetic attraction. A lot of people that we would speak to, they would be like, whoa, cool. I want to get involved. And so that's what led us to continuing it and persevering. And then, yeah, we raised first round of funding, built out a team, started making the product, launched the product, started yes. hiring even more people. And yeah, no, here we are with a pretty large team joining us from all over Hotjar, Ubisoft, Electronic Arts, Shopify, Amazon. Nice. And yeah, we're really excited about what we're working on. Yeah, fantastic. So say someone wants to try it out. What do they do? What do they need? How can I get started? Do I just go and create yeah. a space? Do I do go join a lobby? What's the best way to, to give space? Sure. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, sure. Tryspace.com. It's a web-based virtual world. It actually works cross-device. So it works on desktop web. It works on mobile web. It also works in WebXR. So it's VR-ready. Yes. Uh, if you have a device, you can enter it through the browser of the VR headset that you have. Yeah. It's really exciting. And I guess it's a two-sided marketplace. So there's, uh, there's the shoppers and then there is the merchants. And uh, for the shoppers, they can enter the platform. They can go through the lobby. They can meet people in the different store experiences. They can also shop right now. They can pay with credit card or with crypto. And then, of course, for the merchants, and this is kind of part of our major innovation for the market, is we made an easy builder for merchants. So building in the metaverse right now, pretty difficult thing. Takes yeah. you many hours, 50, 60, 70 hours to build. A pretty basic experience, which doesn't include in-world transactions, which doesn't have commerce functionality, doesn't have store managers, etc. And we basically provided almost like the Wix or Squarespace of building your own virtual commerce experience. Yeah. And so you can very easily in a matter of three to four minutes, build your own virtual store subscription room or ticketed event. And yeah, we're really excited about that because we've made it so simple and easy. That is, yeah, that is amazing because just yesterday, someone I know was asking me that, hey, I'm, I mean, he trains speakers and, and mentors people and stuff. And he gets invited to speak at events and stuff. And he was like, how do I get a presence in the metaverse? <laughs> how do, it's like for people on the outside, it still feels like it's the whole field is so opaque. How do they even get started? And it is a big thing, like onboarding new people. It's like, so had no idea what to say to him. I know yours is more specific to fashion, merchandise, all those sort of things. What are some other sort of use cases or is that the key sort of use case or the niche that you are targeting at the moment? Yeah, so I, I think that is really our focus point. So like the way that we look at the market is there's going to be social worlds, there's going to be yes. gaming worlds, game of game worlds, and we believe there will be also many different markets for things like casino, kids worlds, erotic worlds. And we are really trying to be focused on uh, commerce, being a commerce world and hopefully leading in the topic of commerce. So we really want to provide people with the ability. So I guess we can get into it a bit. Like what is 3D commerce? And why is 3D commerce exciting? And it's not so obvious, actually. 
uh, yes. because 2D commerce is already really convenient. You can just go on almost any website really easily, add to car, check out, it arrives at your house. It's quite simple and easy. 3D commerce is all about the evolution of where we are at right now with live stream shopping. So the concept of live stream mm. shopping, as you may or may not know, is um, an influencer or a brand that you're familiar with. They will go live on Taobao or Pop yes. Shop or Network, and they will they will say, "Hey, I'm coming live. You can get to know me. You can ask me questions, and I am exclusively selling something right now in this moment." Where 3D commerce is like a very like inevitable evolution for us is that. Um, you're socializing, right? So you can be there with your friends, you can meet new strangers. And of course you can, with your avatars, engage with that individual influencer. Right now it's a very one-way conversation, right? Sam Kamani, you will go live on Twitter space and you will speak. And if I am lucky, you will pick on me because I raised my hands for 10 minutes and I can ask you one question and then you kick me off again and you continue your conversation. But yeah. 3D environments allow not only for the fans to talk amongst each other, but for us to just walk up to you and be like, hey, I just want to say hi, or I have some feedback for you. And you would have never had this level of insight even from your fans or customers without this sort of enablement of the two-way conversation. So this is one of the value propositions of 3D commerce. The second one I believe is that I really believe it's going to allow brands to engage with their fans on a whole new level. So if we think about, let's say, Sam, you were a DJ or like an influencer that does more than one thing, right? So let's say you're a DJ. So maybe you would sell your merchandise from when you go on tour inside of your virtual store. But you would probably do also a few more things. So maybe you could have a second floor where it gives you access to an exclusive subscription room where you exclusively share new songs that you're working on. I don't know, a trailer to a new music video you're working on. And then you might even use it as a space for doing an event or showing up once in a while so that people could attend the AMA. And as you can see, it's like very multifaceted where the value proposition comes is that it's, it's a whole new way of engaging with your fans and getting insight. It's a whole new way of providing a commerce experience and new avenues of revenue. And we also really believe through things like virtual mirrors, AI generated rooms, um, the ability to put the clothes or products that are for sale with your friends. It's going to reduce purchasing decision time. And lastly, we really believe that 3D worlds have this big opportunity of creating jobs and being like a whole new marketplace of where people find new ways to make money. So yeah, that's why we're really excited about 3D commerce and where it's headed. Yeah, sure. I've been early in a lot of technology. So years ago, or like in 2004, I was doing Google AdWords and people were saying, oh, why are you doing Google AdWords? You should be doing ads on yellow pages or something like that, because that's what was (laughs) prevalent at that time. And it was very hard for people to see that when like less than 0.1 of all commerce was online back in 2004, not even 1%. I think by 2007, it was 1% of the global commerce was online. That's how far back it's, that's how early I was. And I could see that, okay, this is going to work. This is the way to go. But most people could not see it, that you would want a real experience in the shop. 
especially for clothes and shoes. And this is before when Zappos was even big that mm. Amazon bought later on and stuff. And people could not see that you'd want to wear it in the shop. Like, why would you buy it online? And it doesn't fit. You don't get the right thing. So I understand that it is hard for people to imagine why someone would want to go from regular commerce to commerce on the metaverse. Um, but then, at the so I understand that side of it. But then on the other side, it's all I look at is any technology that removes friction and removes inconvenience. So for me, the reason why I was bullish or I'm still bullish on online shopping, e-commerce, all those sort of things, because it removed friction that you have to go to the shop, you have to do extra steps. If I can be at home, and if I can click one click to add, my first business that I sold was an e-commerce space. I intentionally made sure that the checkout process is as fast as possible. One click checkout. It's this is I'm talking 2007. Back then it wasn't common sense, but I knew that every click that I added, the amount of people that drop off was crazy high. Every step, it's 20%, 30%, 15% people dropping off. So. I want to reduce the number of steps it takes people from start to finish. And Amazon's done this beautifully. It remembers your credit card, remembers your address, click to order straight, one click. The problem I have with Metaverse is that it is adding steps. It is adding inconvenience because... Exactly. So it's VR experience. It's adding the cumbersome VR goggles. Yours is removing that inconvenience. You can do it on your mobile. You can do it on your desktop. Mac, wherever. So that's great. But then there's still the fact that you have to load this environment. You have to go in there. It's adding those steps. The one place that I do see the value for metaverse is things like dating, relationships, those sort of things, because people want to communicate in a more deeper level. So that's where I see is, okay, there's utility there. But yeah, so how do you reduce friction in, in meta? Yeah, sure. It's a lot to expand, actually. So first of all, yeah, I would say we've learned a lot when it comes to what you are talking about right now. Going from 2D to 3D has to have a really strong value propositions. Otherwise, it's not that exciting. Yes. Right? Like you say, it adds steps, right? Rather than yeah, reducing steps, right? Yeah. And what we've learned a lot um, I'll also come back to something that's an important history to cover. But what we've learned a lot is that truly the value proposition of 3D commerce needs to combine a new level of convenience together with a new type of fun. And they actually both need to have equal priority yes. because if that's not there, then really all you're doing is scanning a real world and walking into a 3D version of that real world, which is doesn't make sense. Like, why would I sit on a virtual chair? or a virtual sofa, or sit at a virtual desk. Yes. Um, a lot of things that like, I think in this initial phase, people are going to try and copy the real world, when in reality, that's the opposite of what we should be doing. Exactly um, and a couple right. of examples. Yeah, and so a couple of these things that we realized is, starting with the room experience, right? We had, we had at the start, I would say, way too many of these like real-life replications. And then we realized, um, oh, actually what's exciting here is like impossible architecture or where you do things that a brand would have never been able to afford to do in the real world, especially 
the smaller brands, obviously nothing compared to major companies in the world that could do whatever they want. They can make a hole in Times Square and make anything possible, but enabling people to create basically the impossible very quickly. So a good example of someone who may just think about it in a cool way is this is Brent Burgunder, who we partnered with. And um, if you've seen, if you've seen any of the original Indiana Jones movies, there's so remember Raiders of the Lost Ark where he steals an object from this dungeon. So he replicated this scene for his shop. And so it, it was a very interesting idea because we were like, oh, what's he doing? And then we realized, oh, he's trying to like make you think about something else when you're coming to this room and this experience. Uh, and so there, there was this one hat at the center and we were like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. And maybe in an evolution of our product. Uh, if you went for the, the hat, not fast enough, maybe you got booted out of the waiting list or fun things like this that kind of gamify the whole commerce experience. Another good example of that is imagine if you brought enough referrals to a brand that you support, let's say Lululemon, and then you would exclusively have access to another area because you have completed a quest. Okay. Let's say, for example, suddenly like a beanstalk comes out of the ground and you're able to basically access an exclusive room that only the people that have invited five of their friends are able to get access to, right? Then I think AI is going to be really important for the success of the metaverse. Really imagine being like, hey, Siri, show me only the V-necks or only the blue hoodies on the platform right now. I want to only see those. So AI needs to be used for convenience. So not only for on the shopper side, hey, which blue hoodie and which pants look the best on me? And it just presents it to you and you can try it on in a virtual mirror, right? There's utility yes. meets convenience, right? But another example of that is also for the merchants, right? I think we're headed towards a future where um, maybe you don't even need to create the rooms yourself. We're already seeing like really crazy stuff happening with Dali and Mitchell and you wear yeah. basically using a set of words, you're generating an image, right? And sometimes pretty sophisticated images. Like, of course, sometimes like head is missing or it's not a realistic wing of a bird, but really impressive, right? For the fact that it's taken five seconds to generate a picture. And so... There's this topic of staple diffusion, and I really believe that in a very near future, we will start seeing the first prototypes of a fully 3D generated room. And that's when it becomes really exciting and fun, because if those experiences work, everything changes, right? If you think about the combination of AI assistance, trying things on in virtual mirrors, receiving digital products at home and that your avatar can wear meeting with your favorite creative director when they are willing to give you the time, combining shopping with subscription and events, suddenly everything changes, right? This is like a whole new way of doing things. And with that, it's a new opportunity, right? Think about how many famous DJs today started on SoundCloud and would have never had the opportunity without SoundCloud. Think yeah. about how many influencers became successful thanks to Instagram. Think about how many celebrities that had no more movie gigs suddenly found new ways of revenue by doing cameo and like making birthday wishes for yeah. people who still adore them. And I really believe whoever will be the next metaverse first DJ, metaverse first beauty brand, fashion brand, movie, everything will change and they will be the biggest stars in the world.
Yeah, totally. They would be. Yeah, as long as we can make metaverse as convenient and as fast to use as some of these names you say, the Web2 products, then yes, I see that. I see that future. And also the other thing that you did talk about is in a way gamification can maybe help and move it towards that direction. But yeah, I would love to know a bit more about how you say that you guys have learned a lot of the things. What are some of the things that you have learned about building in this space? Okay. I reply your question. I could, this could be like a whole book. Uh, of learning, <laughs> learning, okay, learning the metaverse. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So maybe I should limit it to maybe just say one or two things you that you learned, which kind of changed your assumption. So maybe you made an assumption on people will use metaverse like X, Y, and Z, but they use it for A, B, and C based on your initial users, based on your initial experience on building space. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's debunk a few things. So first of all, something that we accidentally did at the, as the first experience and then it became the most successful experience on Horizon Worlds is comedy shows, stand-up comedies. We, we were really aiming spring at the start, so we tried everything. Like yeah. we were like basically yes to anyone who wanted to do anything metaverse. And really quickly we realized, okay, some things... You're really replicating the real world. Why are we doing this? But something we overlooked, I would say, is stand-up comedies. Like those were ticketed events. People wanted to pay it. People loved it. It was probably one of our busiest rooms at a single point in time. Yep. And people stayed really like probably longer than anyone has stayed in any of the fashion stores we've launched so far. So that's probably something debunked that wasn't obvious. Something that was felt really obvious to the rest of the world, but then yes. wasn't so exciting, is art galleries. While I'm a big art lover, I support art. I, a lot of favorite artists that I follow and go to their gallery openings. Yes. There is not so far actually something so interesting about a virtual art gallery. Mainly because why? Again, people are just imitating the real world. I'm walking with my avatar to the same gallery only that now I can't see the picture as nice as I could in the real world. And or even in a 2D environment. Or even in a 2D environment, right? And so yeah. that one was not so obvious. And we spent a lot of time trying to get galleries and then not seeing it being so exciting. But the biggest learning from it is that it's the way we did it that was wrong rather than art galleries are not exciting. Because let's put it like this, right? Imagine... Art gallery had quests. The installations were three-dimensional. I could be in a real-time bidding room where a lot of people are involved in a real-time auction. And then people are like, no, or yes, or whatever. And like dollars flying and all of this kind of stuff. If there was a ability to meet the artists, for example, we partnered with Kenny Schachter. If Kenny Schachter did an AMA inside of his space in our world, again, suddenly you've added a value proposition that was not so obvious. So... I think to use that as a summary of multiple things that were debunked is that it's the multifaceted and pushing a new value proposition that was the least obvious at the start. Yeah. And actually, if you look at it in hindsight, I would say there's a lot of things that if you look at the history of memo RPGs, which is yes, massive multiplayer yeah, online you know, role-playing exactly. games. Yes. Exactly. There's a lot of learnings that um, 
I'm not seeing a lot of people take advantage of. But it almost feels when your parents tell you stuff as a kid and you just never listen to the advice and then yes. you walk through the same experience later in life. That's what's happening right now. There's a lot of learnings from EverQuest, Habbo Hotel, Second Life, Club Penguin, yeah. et cetera, that I think we should be not only us at space, but in general, people should be analyzing and seeing how to do things better. And I think one of the biggest things that we're seeing repeating is maps that are too big. It's causing a lot of like ghost town kind of behavior rather than starting small and expanding as you have density. The second thing I would say is, um, what are you actually doing? And I think a lot of the problems that MMORPGs had is that like, they didn't really invest in making it really a true video game. And they didn't really invest in making it really a social network. And it was this thing in the middle of both trying to create this value proposition in the middle, which frankly, every once in a while became boring, right? Because all you're doing yeah. is walking around and meeting people and then walking away. And it turns out Facebook and Tinder is more exciting and more straight to the point of what you wanted to know. And I think it's very important for the gaming worlds, the social worlds, even space to be very aware of where did people make these mistakes? Yeah. And how do you not repeat them? Yep. Okay. Another thing from everything that you were saying, I'm sure you know the story of Instagram that how it started with an app with a whole bunch of party organizing tool, SaaS product that you want to create a party, you do that, you... It had like probably many times more features than the first Instagram that became big, where they stripped everything down because they realized that the only feature that people were using was sharing photographs and none of the other <laughs> things that they were using because that's the life of a startup. You've been in this for so long. Like you start with assumptions, you throw a lot of things, you throw the kitchen sink at it and then just see what sticks and then you just go with it. Why not just create a metaverse just for comedy clubs? Because I can completely see this. I am not going to go even with those engagement and gamification done. I am an artist. All these paintings behind me, I made them oil painting. Oh, so, wow. Beautiful. Even though I'm an artist, my parents are artists. I am not going to go to a virtual gallery. And I've been and I've seen how cumbersome it is. I'd rather go and do a Google image search and find the images I want. I'd go to DeviantArt. I've been using DeviantArt for 22 years. DeviantArt I'm, is the OG OpenSea. It is the OG OpenSea. It is. Absolutely. You said it. The experience is faster. There is less friction. I don't want another art gallery on Metaverse. But Comedy Club, I can see myself sitting there and listening to a comedian. Because it is just the thing. I would go to coaching and mentorship. That's why a mentor had asked me, a coach, a voice coach and a public speaking coach asked me, how do I start training people in the metaverse? It's like, I, I can see these use cases because as a person in front of a mic, you're more immersed in that. Because once you are in, you don't have to navigate the 3D thing, which is very hard at this stage. Maybe in future, it will be easy, but at this stage. So why not just create a comedy club? Just scrap everything else. If that's working, create the world's largest online comedy club. It's not bad advice. I probably consider it. I think we're seeing a lot of interest regardless from, from fashion, streetwear, beauty. And actually in, the, uh, in some of our early successes other than the comedy club, specifically streetwear brands. I don't know if you have a favorite streetwear brand that you follow like Supreme or 
palace or carrots or any of those. Yes. But what they're really good at doing is creating a sense of urgency. Yeah. And uh, as you're familiar, right, they, usually there's, there's a hype up. There's, hey, November 16th at midnight, 100 pieces show up or lose out, right? And then yeah. everything sells secondhand for super expensive. What was really interesting to see is streetwear brands did also actually really good in space. And they were able to replicate this sense of urgency. And why? Because they have the interest. They have the following. Yes. They did the same thing, exclusive to space. And they showed up. They showed up inside of the room and for the first time they could meet the guy behind the brand or the woman behind the brand. And it was really magical because they all sold out in like less than two days in the first five use cases that we had. So that was really exciting. I guess to, to answer that, I think there's definitely some exploration to be had and some more yeah. focus to be created. But yeah, streetwear did really well. Comedy did really well. Let's see what else does really well. And then we can again, I guess, refocus. Because uh, you're right, the Instagram story is hilarious, right? Starting with the whole wine yeah. whiskey, right? It was like he wanted to find people who love whiskey. And then it became people just like taking pictures at parties and creating FOMO. So I get your point totally. Yeah, yeah. The thing is that I have seen the streetwear events even at physical stores. And they have that mm -hmm. do that. And then there are all these young people queued up for three blocks, even in rain or whatever, just so it opens and they are the first hundred people to get it and stuff. That happens that people go through that inconvenience, even in, in real life, that they do that. And people would do the same for online when it's tickets on sale and everyone's trying to refresh their browser all the time and the website's crashing because there's 500 people trying it every single instance sort of thing so i see that but that is i feel like that is a niche a niche case where the demand is so high that the people are ready to jump through any hoops so you say okay you'll have to go through walk through a coal of fire to get this ticket to see to harry styles i don't know concert or whatever it might be people or people will do it because that's that's the demand side is really strong because I feel like it's like a two-sided marketplace problem. You need the demand as well as you need the customers. Sorry, you need the suppliers and the customers both. You are trying to onboard both sides. If you have one side very strong, it's then you just have to solve the other. So yeah, you were saying that, that there were some other use cases or that have proven really, I don't know, really successful for space. Like other experiences? Yeah, or, or or in your experience, like where have you had the most fun? It does not have to be just space your. It could be Decentraland, Sandbox. It could be anyone else's metaverse. Where else have you had a lot of fun using metaverse? Personally, um, not as a company, yeah. Look, I, I, it's part of my job is to stay up to date and do research, yes. right? Like I, yeah. I play in all of the worlds constantly. Right? Yeah. Whether it's crypto voxel, sandbox, decentraland, on cyber, Mona Gallery. Yes. I think two other there's three things that I appreciated about other platforms. Yeah. One was so Upland does a really good job with onboarding people who have no Web3 knowledge. They do a really good job with the whole like new to blockchain angle to getting people into the world and excited. So that one I appreciate for this angle. Sandbox, I think, is doing a really great job with like in-world NPCs and giving you stuff to do in its early days. So I really appreciated that. And I think Crypto Voxels has been the funnest in the sense that 
I really love that you're like basically already in what you would call a 3D internet. It's just like long streets full of stores and you can stand in one store and see another store. And I really like this idea that I can see the web traffic in real time because sometimes you'll go to something and you'll see, hey, actually, there's a lot of people just over here. And you're like, okay, let me go see there. And I really believe that once the metaverse becomes really popular, this will be something that they will thank crypto voxels for innovating because this factor that you can jump from experience to experience or run from experience to experience. And it's basically like flicking through TV channels in a way, right? You're like, yeah. oh, there's a lot going on here. I was bored here. Let me go there now. And then let me go there now. And it just it allows you to do like a full day of things. I think, I think that definitely makes it fun. Oh, I also went to a, I think something that was cool. I went to an album listening party of an NFT musician rapper. Uh, in crypto voxels. That was really cool. That was really exciting. And you had to be there to hear the album. So that was really cool. Yeah. Are there any experience that you have experienced on the metaverse that you would prefer over just online or even in real life? Even? Sorry, what do you mean? So are there any experiences that you have experienced on the metaverse that you would prefer over real life events or, or like the regular 2D online events? Sure. Look, I think the album listening party was great. I think the comedy club experience is great. I think even these streetwear brand drops that we're doing are great because I think the thing that you will never be able to get over or say, hey, I can live without this is that I think the social factor and being able to see and engage two way yes. will never go away again. I think this is the, I think this is the power of 3D experience, whether it's in VR or in the desktop web, that's really the cool thing. Yeah, that is very cool. So yeah, it's been like absolutely fascinating talking and learning more about Metaverse. I have come off a lot more <laughs> positive after talking with you about the whole Metaverse scene and I can see where the real value is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I see less of a value now in, in some of the things that the metaverses are doing after talking with you. It's given me a lot more clarity and I hope it's done the same for the audience. My final question for you is, do you have a ask? Are you looking for anything? I don't know, investors or anything you're looking for? Being... Yeah, sure. We are, we're fundraising right now. So if there's any strategicals that you'd love to introduce us to, that'd be obviously very appreciated. I think the second really important thing for us is, so space is an open virtual world. The concept is really that for the first time, commerce can be defined by the merchants and by the community. So these are land laws, these are transaction fees, these are ways of handling policies, shipping, return, all of that kind of stuff. The development of features, they can be very democratically upvoted and then developed by our communities. We want to make sure that we can actually provide this powerful tool where the community runs and operates this commerce platform. And so we are looking for builders. We're looking for developers. We are looking for QAs. We're looking for people who want to be people in the marketplace offering services. So if you are any of that, please come and join us. Join our Discord. Let us know that you want to get involved. We're also running a hackathon right now. Absolutely. We'd love to get in touch with you.
Fantastic. That's really cool. I will put all these links in the description or in the show notes, wherever this goes, this goes live. And yeah, so thank you so much, Paris. It's been awesome talking with you and wish you best of luck and hope to see you in the metaverse. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching this or listening to this episode of the Web3 with Sam Kamani podcast. You know the drill. Leave a comment. Please subscribe or share it with a friend. Now, if you are building something really interesting in this space, then reach out to me. My DMs are open. I'm at Sam Kamani on Twitter or on LinkedIn or on TikTok or on any platform. Just go and search for my name. Reach out to me. I would love to help you. I would love to have a conversation with you. So having said that, I want to wish you best of luck to whatever you are building. I know that about 35 to 40% of my listeners are founders themselves. So I want to say best of luck and go build that next innovation.